Hello, I'm Elizabeth, an obsessive backyard gardener who might be able to offer you a couple of tips. And I'm Keith, a landscape consultant, and I'm also passionate about gardening. The one thing we both have in common is muddy muddy boots. The last 18 months have been incredibly challenging for all of us, but something really positive also happened during that time. Being forced to stay at home gave us a chance to spend more time in our gardens and many people found a new or renewed love for gardening, which is so lovely. Now we're slowly returning to our offices, which means we'll have to drag ourselves away from our gardens just as we're beginning to enjoy getting our hands dirty. So, in today's podcast, we're going to discuss some low-maintenance ideas that can easily be applied to the garden, giving you the time to enjoy it without having to spend hours on its upkeep. Keith, should we start with some design tips for anyone who's actually wanting to build a low-maintenance garden? Yes, and once again, we've got to start right at the beginning, back no, down to the soil. don't tell me the soil. soil. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got, to, you've got to make sure that you, you know, your soil is, is, is chock full of goodness, has got all those components that are going to make the plants successful. Yes. So we have to put things like biochar into the soil, gold. Come on, give me another one. Rock dust. Rock dust. A lot of compost. Lot, the more compost you can put compost, in, the better it's going to be. Compost, compost, right? and yeah, and compost, and more compost. My word! And then we need to sort of think about having a great mulch that's going to cover the whole thing. Yes, yes. Now, I always well because this is what I do for a living: yes. design gardens. That's right. That's why I asked you about that question. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I generally work on the basis of, of knowing what a plant is going to cover in terms of its area when it grows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so therefore, I don't draw circles on a plan just because I like drawing circles. I draw circles on a plan because I know that is the size yeah, right. that those plants are going to cover on that. And that generally means that once those plants are at, at their mature uh, height and width, that there's no going in there needing to shape them, cut them back or anything else. They fill the spot. They fit. They fit. They fit. That's exactly right. Fantastic. So what about choosing the right plants for your, like, uh, for your area? I mean, what if, we're, as, if we're going to go get a low-maintenance garden, it's got to be the plant, you've got to have the plants that are going to be tough. Yes. And that would mean the plants that, are, that thrive in your particular area and that will cope with the soil, obviously. Yeah, exactly. I, look, I guess when we're thinking about low-maintenance landscaping, mm. this involves methods for reducing water, mm. weeding, pruning, deadheading, and dividing, so you have to do this on a regular basis. Um, you know, so you you need to work out basically what sort of style you, style of garden you want first. Whether oh, yeah. you want an indigenous garden, whether you want a, a native garden, which is totally different to an indigenous garden, or whether you want to, uh, to have a um, you know an exotic garden or coastal you know, garden. There are all sorts of different garden. styles. So, yeah. So, so you need yep. to need to understand what style of garden it is you want before you can even start thinking about going into the low-maintenance range you know, okay. of, of gardening. That's okay, all. of course. So, you, so yeah, so the, it's dependent on the, the type of house and the, and the, the whatever the yep. person who's going to be living there likes. Exactly. So obviously that's the first thing you have to think about. Yeah. But if, if they're thinking low-maintenance, is there one particular style or a couple of particular styles that you would sort of sway them towards rather than others? A cottage garden yeah. is not particularly low-maintenance. Cottage low garden is not so you wouldn't suggest that, would you? Mm, I might. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> I love them. Okay, great. <laughs> I love perennial gardens. You'll have to go around and maintain it for them. <laughs> All right, so so a good a good plant to be looking 
four in, uh, in a low maintenance range is um, Mediterranean plants. So they're plants that have got that grey foliage, yes, or, or or they have a little hairy surface. Yes. so they're you know they've got this soft fuzzy surface, and that helps them to um, work with the you know with the, the hot and humid weather. Okay, so they're not they're not falling over. Okay. You know, on yes. a hot day, yep. um, and then the other thing you could look at is um, just what how that plant how a plant is rated in a nursery. Now we've yeah. come a long way from the old days of just a, a label stuck on the, on a, on a plant with a name. Yeah, with a name. Yep. Yep. Um, we've now got to the stage where they have a name. Mm. They give you the common name and the botanical, botanical name. name. Yes, and they also tell you how big it gets. Mm-hmm. So it's width and it's height. Mm-hmm. So that's all on there. And some of them are now getting to the stage where they, they have a drip system on the back of them. Yes. So you've got a, a, one that might have three drips. Yes. And what do you think three drips might mean? N- needing a little bit of water. Needing a lot of water. Yeah, yeah. a lot of water. Uh, two drip. Less. Yeah, or seasonal watering. Okay. <laughs> and one drip. Well, what do you reckon one drip might be? <laughs> not much. I mean, no. The watering, but not too, not quite as much as the no. three. Yes. So, so well. Thank you. Good lesson. A one a one drop um, plant should be drought, drought tolerant, tolerant yeah. once it's established. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Okay. So that's that's the way that you know you should be looking at those plants. Good low maintenance plants. Those ones. So there. That's right. So mm-hmm. look, look for single drip um, plants if you're going to go you know for a low maintenance garden. Okay. And what about choosing unfussy plants? We don't want too many climbing roses or wisteria, things like that, which no. would mean a bit of effort for there's the a, owner. There's a, there's a lot of work in, in both of those. Yes. Um, but, you know, I mean, look, there, there's no such thing as a no-maintenance garden. Oh, no, I know that. There is a low-maintenance, but then again, you know, you've still got to be doing those little bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I sort of um, enjoyed the, the, the walks that we do at the Cramp and Botanic Gardens mm-hmm. over there, which is just chock full of native and indigenous plants. Yes, beautiful. Uh, and I'm still amazed at the amount of gardeners they've got down there because all these plants in there require some sort of maintenance at some stage, whether it's cutting back, deadheading or feeding. Well, all plants, pretty yeah. much all plants Pro- do, don't they? Just so they're, about. They're, yeah. They're, yeah, as you say, there's no, no such thing as a no-maintenance garden. There is, there will be necess- it will be necessary throughout the year to do certain jobs, yes. but it won't be as much as it would if you had a, like a busy cottage garden, if you just That's just right. matter of making the right choices. So wouldn't you choose perennial plants over annual? Perhaps. Oh yes, for sure. Yes. So, I mean, what what you're going to have with the annuals is is they're going to come, they're going to flower, they're going to seed and drop their seeds in the ground, uh, and then come autumn time when it gets a little bit of rain, those little seeds will germinate, and then you've got the florets that'll carry it through the winter, and then mm. on to go. Mm. With a perennial plant, um, a lot of the reason I love them so much is because they prov- they provide you with so much colour and show for an enormous period of time. Mm. So literally. Um, my my hard work in a in a perennial garden is conf- probably confined to about maybe a week over you know uh, over about seven or eight months time mm. where I need to cut those things right back. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's not a lot of work being done you know on a weekly basis. Mm, mm, okay. But then you know there's other great plants now that they that they that are coming onto the market, and there's a company called Osbreed. Yes. Um, Osbreed is um, is an Australian company. Now owned by an American company, unfortunately, oh. but um, what what they've done is they've really looked at how to hybridise certain plants. So they pick the best features out of certain types of plants mm-hmm. and 
and create them basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's one that that I love using um, for a little little informal hedge that requires no looking after at all, and that's a plant called Westringer, yes. which is the coastal rosemary. Yes. Which the normal variety gets to about you know one and a half to two meters tall by about the same wide. They have one called Grey Box. Yep. So Westringer Grey Box that gets the forty five centimeters height. And width, wow, that's and it's a, a beautiful, tight, compact little plant. Yeah, yeah. And then they've got other other wonderful plants that, that they've hybridised too. So, the older case here, cognata, mm-hmm. um, which is a weeping, densely weeping um, uh, wattle. Yeah. They've hybridised it with lots of varieties called. Well, one is called um, lime magic, um, limelight, mm-hmm. um, copper tips. Yep. So these are all small, compact plants that you you know you can put into a garden, and they're going to, they're going to hold that space yeah. you know very 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 nicely. It's amazing how the, the, the hybridisation is going on everywhere, even with hydrangeas. Hybrid, there, there are, there's something called is it? Um, I've forgotten the name of it. Uh, Endless summer, endless summer, which is now a hydrangea that will just keep on flowering. You don't even have, I don't need to cut it back very mm-hmm. as much as the other. So the, the hybridiz- hybridization is great yeah. in many forms. Jeez. In some forms, not so yep. good, but anyway. Okay, so that's that. What about slower-growing varieties? Well, I suppose that's some of those that you've just mentioned are probably a bit slower-growing yeah. than um Yeah, than and, I, and I mean, sl- slower-growing varieties now, I mean, we, we talk about um, plants that only grow to this to to a certain size, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So they, that, that's it, they're maintained. Okay. Uh, and Osbreed, again, do a whole variety of... of um, uh, grasses and strappy-like leaf plants, so mm. things like dianellas. They've got tiny, tiny trev and um, deep red uh, varieties of those, mm. which are small and compact. And then mm. in the Lamandra range, which is otherwise known as the spiny-headed mat rush, they have, have really honed in on those, and they've got one called Confertifolia, another one called Crackerjack, mm-hmm. um, and these are just small, and that's it. They don't, they don't get any bigger. Once they've attained that size, that's it. Some great choices there, Keith. That sounds great. And Osbreed, I think we need to look up Osbreed. Anyone who wants to um, grow a low maintenance garden, Osbreed of the go. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Um, Deciduous plants, probably avoiding deciduous plants if you're not wanting to rake or clean up because they can make a mess. Well, I disagree with that. It can be pretty, but. I disagree with that. Okay, why? (laughs) Well. Go go around and rake their garden for them or sweep? No, 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 no. (laughs) All right, so uh, I. Whenever I'm designing um, a garden around a pool, for instance, I will put in deciduous, deciduous plants. Woo. And the reason for that is that if I put in um, non-deciduous plants, they are exchanging their leaves all the time. So they're dropping leaves 12 months of the year, oh, okay. just a few okay. at a time, but yeah. they're always dropping and getting into the pool. Mm. Whereas a deciduous plant drops its leaves once. Yes. So you rake it all up and then you're free to do other things in the garden. Okay. And it usually happens in autumn when perhaps that's people right. aren't in the pool, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, that's good advice too. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, I was going to go on to mulching or do we want to stick with some more plants um, another, suggestions? Another beautiful range of plants that they've, that they've hybridised now um, are the standards. Mm. So, uh, and I mean, what a standard is, is, is a trunk with a grafted plant on the top and they're doing an enormous amount of work with different types of grevilleas now. More pretty, um, yeah. Oh, they're gorgeous. And, and, and the Cranbourne and Botanic Gardens has got a magnificent um, array of these standard grevilleas. 
So what they've done is they've looked at the, the biggest and the toughest um, and the tallest growing of, of the grevilleas, which is Grevillea robusta, mm-hmm. which, which is a tree, and you can, it has all those um, yellow spider-like um, flowers on it, so mm. it really stands out. Mm, beautiful. Um, so, so what they do is they graft uh, um, uh, another grevillea onto the top of that as a weeping form. Okay. So there's there's just so many different varieties of this, but one of my favourites is one called uh, Grevillea Royal Mantle, okay. which has got beautiful dark red toothbrush um, flowers, probably about you know 50, 50 millimetres long. So the flower is the flower wow, is yeah huge. even a bit, even some of them a bit bigger oh gorgeous and of course you know they they have this lovely weepy habit with with mm. beautiful shaped leaves mm, so okay. just superb okay so all these are coming in and of course they're doing it with acacias too oh my goodness this is a i can see this gorgeous low maintenance garden growing before my eyes it sounds divine <laughs> sounds absolutely divine can we move on to what else? Uh, what other uh, um, things people need to do as far as low maintenance gardening? Low maintenance gardening is concerned, like mulching. Mulching. Yes. Yes. And and talk about the mulch because I know we've discussed this before, but the certain there are certain mulches that you only oh there's one well tell us about the mulches because there's okay. some you only have to do once. Do once. That's right. Yeah. So with with my des- with um, the specifications on my designs um, and and at the behest of. The client, mm. I will either um, put down, um, if they like bark mulches, I like a, a fine bark, so something around about the 10 mil um, size of, of pine bark rather than the horrible big, you know, chunks. bulky chunks. Yep, yep. yep. Um, or I, I will sometimes recommend um, using a granitic sand. That's a decomposed yes. granite. And the reason for that is that all the work's done prior to that. So all the all the biochar's in the soil, the rock dust's in the soil, the you know the the compost is in the soil, and the the myco gold's in the soil. So then you cap the whole lot off with with this granitic sand, probably you know between fifty and sixty millimeters in depth. And being a, depo- a decomposed um, granite, it doesn't rot away. It doesn't blow away. And it compacts, so okay. it goes quite firm, okay. but it stills allow moisture and air to move down through it to provide the roots. Okay. So, so what you're doing is you've, you've created a, um, a maintenance-free form of, of mulching mm. that does all the things that, that it, it needs to do, keeps the, the, you know, the, mo- the, the roots cool, mm. stops the weeds growing up in, in through it. Mm. Um, and you can still go out there and put a liquid feed over it or a slow-release feed onto those plants um, you know, on a regular basis, and it's not going to have any effect on the on, on the the, uh, the granitic sand. Because I was going to ask, how do we? What about? Because obviously the composting breaks, all that stuff breaks down. Yeah. How do we well, get more compost into the ground if we've got the well, granitic sand in? You, don't, you, don't you just need don't to. need to. You don't need to really? because you've got the biochar in That's there, enough. you've got the rock dust in wow. there, and then you're just continually feeding and you're feeding and filling up the 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 uh, the biochar. Yeah, um, you know, which is there. That's fabulous. That it just holds, that has holds halved that our job, really. Yeah. Doing that, not having to do that, because I, I spend so much time mulching and composting. So that's a great idea. Yeah. And granitic sand seems to be becoming a bit of a trend. Could I be well, right about that? I've well, heard it, people it saying so that. I, I, it down. I, might, I might have started that. Oh, probably. Of, a of course, you would have. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, you know, it's been something that I've been using for years and years and years. You know, yeah. it's. Oh, but it's, I, yeah, it's a great. It looks it's great. Just a great way. Very much a beachy coastal yeah. look too, which is yeah. fantastic for our area. Um, moving on to lawns, what 
are we doing about lawns? Do we have fewer grassy areas or do we keep a bit of grass and just make sure we use a particular type of grass? Yes. You've, got to, you've got to get on to um, drought-tolerant grasses. So one of the most popular in actual fact is kaikuyu. Uh, a lot of people hate kaikuyu because they don't know how to control it. Okay. Um, I've got kokuyu in my backyard yep. uh, and I've got a, a brick restraining edge that separates the grass from the garden bed and that's um, a brick sitting on 75 mil of mortar. So there's 150 mil of restraining Mm-hmm. So, I don't have any don't have any any of um, the kikuyu getting into the into, into, into the, the garden, garden beds. beds. And so, with your designs, do you suggest kikuyu? Do you get involved with the grasses or not? Yeah, so I do. I always I always do. Yeah. And I ask the clients, you know, just what what sort of look they want. Um, a lot of people don't like kikuyu because they cut it down too short, and it becomes rather. Uh, tough to walk yep. on and yep. lie on, whereas they raise their mower and let it get nice and high. It's a beautiful soft grass to yep. lie on and but, play on. And you have to have; they'll have to have the brick edges. Edges. They will have to have some sort of restraining mm. edge. But and I always specify that. Mm. Um, and and you can always put down a metal restraining edge, which is in most of my designs now anyway, is okay. a metal restraining edge. Okay. Okay. But the other one, the other grass that I do like to to specify is um, a cooch, and it's called tiff. Tough. Tiff tough, yes. Uh, and that is a beautiful blue um, cooch. Doesn't require a lot of looking after. And, and I guess one of the, the, the most incredible parts about that particular variety is that it doesn't go into the dormant stage and brown off so like the other grasses. The other so it's green of, 24 yeah, yeah, hours a day. 365 days a year. Days of the oh, year. wow. Yeah. Well, then so, that would be an obvious choice, wouldn't it? It's a great grass, yeah, yeah. a really good grass. But, you know, you, you, you just need to do a little bit of research to know how to look after them. So regular feeding, keep the mower high, mm. and you'll be fine. You've got low maintenance. Okay. But if you don't like that, then you can get rid of the grass yes. and you can put down other things. Yes. Hang on a minute. I want to ask a question. Why do you choose Kaikuyu over Tiff Tough? Because Tiff Tough sounds amazing. Um, I'll tell you why. Because that's what I've got in my backyard. I've got kakuya, okay. and I'm not going to poison it and get rid no, of it. No, no, no. For your designs, so well. <laughs> your designs. I mean, um, what's the difference? No, I do. I, depending on what the client wants. Okay, you know? okay. So it's just okay. So, so I, I will, you know, I will ask them, and I'll and I'll say what the sort difference of, between kakuya and tiff tough. There's not not a lot of difference between the two. Yeah, is there? one is incredibly fine, so it's oh, a fine bladed grass. Tiff tough is finer bladed, yes. right? Then the kakuya has got that figure. Yes, real right. Thick, okay. Like buffalo. Okay, yeah. Yeah. so it's more of a it's up like a sort of a bouncy carpet. Yes, the kakuya. Got you. Thank you. Moving on. Yes, I had to fit that little question in there. You've moved on to, to remove it, and what do we do if we remove it? What are we going to do? Okay, then you can put ground ground covers. So yes, there's okay. lots of fabulous ground covers now. Um, there's lots of, of beautiful hybridised uh, um, acacias that will form a beautiful dense mat. There's a plant called Myoporum insulare, which is, is, a, is a beautiful, dense, thick ground cover. And then if you've got um, difficult sort of shaded areas, there's a fabulous creeping plant called dichondra mm. dichondra repens yeah um and it it it, um, it will fill and cover an area not requiring a lot of looking after in terms of uh, feeding or anything else um and and looks superb you know it's this okay. little little tiny kidney shaped leaf so those sort of ground covers are easy to deal with the, absolutely the grass it's just a matter of keeping those edges yeah. clean and yep. that wouldn't be and that doesn't grow as as tough as as fast or rapidly no, as I the mean, other and, but then you know there's horses for courses with those. I mean, if you're going to use ground covers, you're not going to be kicking a football on no. them. 
or uh, you know, or, or playing kids. or playing a game of cricket. You know, no, no, no. <laughs> they don't make a very good wicket. No, <laughs> but you know, I'm talking about options for big big open areas. Yeah. And, you know, you can yeah. do that, okay. and you can mix them up a bit too. Okay. Number well, number two, number twenty, whatever we're up to, irrigation is very important. Yes. Um, Make sure you've got a good system in there that was just with a timer, so you don't have to worry too much about maintaining, yeah. looking after, watching yeah. the time. Exactly, and and if you're going to have that, then do make sure you have it on early in the morning. Yes, yes, okay. What about setting up a lovely relaxing space so that someone who doesn't ha- who doesn't have to do much can actually lie in it or sit in it and enjoy it? Well, then you're going to find a nice shady spot under a tree somewhere. That's right. right. That is right. Put a hammock in a tree or a chair in the shade. Fabulous. Beautiful. And you can extend, obviously extend your living space. So the more you extend your living space, people are doing that so much now with their kitchens almost outside. Yeah. Um, then obviously that's using up more space as well. So exactly. They can do anything. Uh well, have I missed anything? Well, I don't think so. Okay. Well, Keith and I choose to spend hours on end in our gardens. I don't know. Sometimes I think maybe I need a bit more low maintenance <laughs> of some of those low maintenance ideas so I can have a life. But, but we do love it. But that's not possible for everyone. By, but by making these choices that, we, that we've just discussed, it is obviously possible to have an attractive garden with minimal effort. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Muddy Boots. For more information on today's podcast, please go to muddyboots.net.au and happy gardening.